local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us. Welcome to our local USCW 3000 podcast. We are recording in our Seattle office today. And today with me, I have Amber Wise, a fellow union member who is going to educate us on everything she's been doing and tell us about all of the things that she has been up to because she is accomplishing a lot right now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, So my name is Amber Wise. I work at PCC over in Redmond and I have been with this union for almost three years now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, um, I work in the meat department. I started over in the deli. Um, and when I started, it was like really after the pandemic. Um, my husband had just got into business for himself. I had just left my job as like, a, I worked with childcare for a very long time and was feeling pretty unsupported. But so yeah. moved there kind of just like looking for benefits really. And we knew that PCC had really good benefits. And since my husband wasn't getting them, and ended up there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a part-time position because that's all I needed for benefits. And then I got to like hang out with my kids. And then over the winter, I went and helped out in the meat department and it was insane. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> I love this. So insane, but insanely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like really, really busy. Everybody had really high energy. They were very enthusiastic, um, very passionate about what they were doing. Then there's Two women that work there, Lillian and Anna, and they're both these tiny powerhouse women. And I was like, yes. I was like, I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was actually Anna who kept pushing me. She was like, you could come over here and cut meat too. You could, you could do it. And I was like, mm-hmm. that'd be kind of cool. And then January, they opened up an apprenticeship. So I lied and I'm doing the apprenticeship. I graduate actually this January. Oh, you so. graduate soon. Yeah, I graduate really soon. Congratulations. Kinda, thank you. It's kind of sad, but also, you know, exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love my class. What do you have when you graduate from it? That's a good question. I'm still learning about it, so that's why I asked. That's a really good question. I think it's just a certificate. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know that the credits are transferable, and I do get a diploma. So That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you have the opportunity to take it farther if you want and keep it, going. Yes, I absolutely do, yeah. So I can use those credits and continue to go to school if I want to. That's really neat. Yeah. I actually recently met with... Evan Woods, and he is head of our We Train program, which started oh, the awesome. apprenticeship program. Yes, yes. Yeah. So pretty soon <laughs> you'll be able to hear that episode where we sit down with him and he goes over all of those learning opportunities. So to our listeners, make sure you tune in to that episode with Evan Woods and Andy Heyman. 
and fellow union member Indy, who also did oh, the Indy? program. Yes, do you oh, know I him? I love Indy. Yes, he's in my class. <laughs> yes. That was wonderful. He's great. He was very nice. He came in a couple weeks ago and we sat down. He kind of gave me the quick rundown of how everything worked and what inspired him to do it. And I actually attached his recording session at the beginning to be the intro. Oh, I love to that. Train. Yes. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, one of the people that, you know, it's, see, that's the cool thing about the program, right, is you meet a lot of people. It's pretty PCC heavy right now, uh, but, you know, we do have some people who work at Fred Meyer and some people who work at Safeway, and you really get to make these connections and bonds, um, you know, over things that go, you know, not so well. And over things that are going really, really well. But also it's cool because the things that are going not so well. So we have kind of like a little powwow at the beginning of our classes. Be like, all right, how was your week? And if you're like, you know, I've just been having a lot of trouble figuring out how to do this. You know, you've got a bunch of people who are more than willing to be like, okay, well, a lot of people kept telling me to do this and this and this. But when I tried it this way instead, it worked for me. So you kind of get these different perspectives that aren't the journeymen right right so it's it's really really nice and you get to make these relationships and we've actually had a lot of people move from other stores to come to pcc because they're like that's how that works over there love that love do that that's like, oh, really cool. cool yeah yeah i think you're gonna find that those relationships are gonna last a long time those friendships that you're building with people i am still friends with a lot of my classmates and we graduated 11 years ago yeah even though we don't talk all the time or every day I know I could pick up the phone and they're we're gonna fall right back into where we were Mm -hmm. in school and in class yeah yeah it's super fun um we you know we have have multiple group messages throughout all of us and yeah it's really great I love it how many people are in your class um so when I got there I'm gonna say there was 12 Mm -hmm. but it's growing so there's at least 16 now. Mm-hmm. Getting bigger, which is pretty cool. Really cool. Are yeah. there a lot of women that are in the class? A lot more. So yeah, which is also really fun to watch because when I started, so the my first class, I was over in Georgetown mm-hmm. and then I wanted to switch up to Snow Owl because it's just a little bit less of a drive. Coming to Seattle can be yeah. stressful if you don't live over here. Yes, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> So when I switched, I mean, both classes were pretty heavily male dominated. And then when I switched, the smaller class actually had more women. Mm-hmm. And then as we've gotten more and more people, there's been like a decent percentage of women come in every semester, which is just That's fantastic. great to hear. Because I know a lot of people can kind of have the misconception that a meat department or a meat apprenticeship program is for men and it's not it's for women too like we cook too yeah we have too we barbecue too we eat our food (laughs) i think that that also comes from like this you know weird misconception that like men are i mean and they are right physically stronger than women but on the other side of that like it's it's not like i'm throwing around like a 300 pound you know Oh, so Beef, you don't like right? chuck it half a cow over your shoulder and just walk down to the, <laughs> plop it down on the counter to chop it up? <laughs> Actually, we have a bunch just hanging in the cooler and I just pick them up. It's totally fine. <laughs> but I mean, and, and even things that are too heavy, right? Like you kind of figure out like little ways to get around it. I mean, carts work really well. Uh, yeah. When Team I first started, I, I was, you know, as an apprentice, you do the grinds a lot. And sometimes yeah. you're doing like... 50 million pounds of grinds and you know I'm sitting there with all my 50 pound tubs and one of the journeymen comes in and we didn't really work all that frequently together at the time and he was mm-hmm. like they're having you do the grinds 
And grinds, just to correct me if I'm wrong, because I've I work Sorry. in healthcare. No, no you're perfectly fine. Is that where you're just grinding up meat through a grinding machine for like sausage and burgers and things? Uh, yeah, for like ground beef. Okay. Um, so PCC does a lot of their own ground, like oh, ground okay. beef. Yeah, which is awesome. So, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So he comes in and he was like, they're having you do, do the grinds, do the ground beef. Yeah. He goes, well, that's kind of a brute job, isn't it? I was like, listen, I've been doing the grinds every day for months. <laughs> like, like, it is not, it is not that root of a job as you think it is. And 50 pounds is not that heavy when you carry it every day, my friend. Like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Especially when you've had kids. I mean, we've all had to tote around toddlers, you know, whether oh, it's your yeah. kid or niece or nephew or some of your baby, babysitting mm-hmm. and tote them around. We got some muscles like, in our <laughs> yeah, arms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no, there's no not being strong when yeah. you've got children around when you're working, you know. So, yeah, I was like, I was a little offended at the time. I was like, yeah, what do you I would mean? be too. I was like, oh, yeah, work for these muscles. <laughs> Excuse me, did you not see my beefcake muscle? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can lift more than you. No, I can't. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite part about your job? Um, my favorite part of the job is probably the connections you can make with people. I mean, it's really interesting how much people will share with you if you just listen. Uh, customers, like, you know, um, other apprentices, journeymen, I yeah. most certainly learned to just kind of stop talking and listen. Everyone's got a different perspective. Everyone has kind of a different worry. Um, you know, customers will come up and they'll be genuinely concerned about like the well-being of the animals, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's my favorite part about the job is just kind of being able to like engage with people and yeah. Like, I mean, like I work at a grocery store, but it's really nice to be able to have personal connections with people, right? You know, so it's it's cool. That's a really great way for you to connect with your community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sure. And I'm sure you start getting regulars, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We have a lot of regulars. Um, and that's also fun, too. I mean, like, specific couple I can think of. I When I started working there, they were, you know, just about to get married. Aww. And now they've got this beautiful little boy. And it's just cool to watch the family expand and to make those connections and to talk to them. And, you know, other customers that we have, too, where it's like, wow, this, yeah, it is a community, right? Yeah. And they obviously shop there and come and talk to us too because they enjoy that experience as well. And are you a union steward? I'm not. I've been trying really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a lot going on right now though. Yes, you do. Tell us about some of the things that you've been up to that you have going on right now. Um, so I'm actually running for a public office. I'm running to be on the board of commissioners for public hospital district two. And so that is, <laughs> that is no really one knows. impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it's basically the board of directors for the hospital. Um, and that's Evergreen Kirkland. Amazing. Yeah. What inspired you to start that process? Actually, it was our union. Um, <laughs> so they, I, I got a phone call and it was, hey, you know, rep at the time, Lauren, she speaks very, very highly about you. There's this you know, public position coming up that you would be eligible for. Are you interested? And I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Okay. I don't even know what that is. And so I talked to, you know, like a few people. I talked to our political directors, Tom and Lily. And so I got sent to Path to Power, which is hosted by the Washington State Labor Council. And it's like, you know, like a breakdown on how to run for office and be successful. 
And it was interesting too, because we're, we're, you know, we're starting our bargaining session at PCC. And when I heard the position was opening, I reached out to a couple of the nurses that I really connected with during my labor, because I had both my kids at Evergreen. And I had pretty traumatic experiences, but the employees that were there, like the staff just, I mean, like I have such positive memories, even though, you know, it, they yeah. were just beyond amazing, beyond amazing. So I reached out to a few of them and I, like four out of the five that I reached out to, like, I don't work there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? You know, like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, it was just, it was just too much. Like, we, I didn't feel supported. I was stressed out. Uh, I didn't feel heard. And it just didn't seem like my employer cared. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone that has had a job can resonate yes. with that experience, yeah. right? But it really bothered me when it came to healthcare because healthcare employee, I, I mean, like my job is valuable too, right? But I'm not, I'm not genuinely out there saving lives. So it was, and then these people were so good at their jobs too. I mean, my original labor and delivery nurse from my first, she, I wasn't her patient anymore. Mm-hmm. She would come to check on me and hang out with me and talk to me while she was on shift and after her shifts and on her breaks, just- She cause, cares. Cause she cared. Yeah. And so you just don't get those experiences all the time. And so it bothered me that I knew that good, good, good nurses, like great nurses were leaving because they were feeling unsupported. Also around that same time, my son uh, got really, really sick. So mm-hmm. we actually ended up in the ER at Evergreen and those wait times are really insane. Right. And it is. So, and it's scary when you have a child with you that's struggling or yeah. sick and not feeling well. It's yeah. already stressful in general because it's your baby. Mm-hmm. But it's even more stressful when you're having to wait because our ERs are being overcrowded and understaffed. Chronically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, so we have pulse ox, right? So he was at like 80% oxygen. We're sitting in there. We're panicking as we're in this waiting room, just panicking. They're doing their best. So it's, yeah. it's no shade to them at all. Our... <laughs> triage nurse actually couldn't get like an appropriate reading on him and he admitted him anyway he was like obviously doesn't good so we'll just yeah we'll just we'll just see um but it was i it was very clear that there was a change i mean it i think i go to the er i don't want to say frequently but you know enough there was a very clear change in just the atmosphere and even though my care team there was beyond phenomenal. I literally watched my ER nurse run from room to room. Mm -hmm. So it it kind of like putting all of that, it was like, okay, well, if I do run for this position, how can I help? So I was able to engage with some of the members over at SEIU. And Mm -hmm. it was basically like, you know, we need good wages. We need better benefits. And we just need to know that someone will be there to support us. And I was like, got you. (laughs) I got you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that was most certainly, you know, the absolute primary reason it was the, the, the workforce there is definitely my driving force for wanting to be there and wanting to help and, you know, creating a more positive work environment. I mean, I've worked for jobs that I was most certainly getting underpaid for just because I loved who I was working for and who I was working with. Having that balance of my work life was worth, you know, only making this much money. And so it's interesting to me when people, everyone's concerned about Evergreen's budget, right? Right. But it's, you know, they're also paying five times more for travelers. 
and mm-hmm. hired on temporary staff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I have discussed that topic and several others in specific facilities and the struggles that we've been having and how they are not great places to work and they do not have a positive environment. And that's not a reflection on the staff that work there, right? Everyone who works in the hospital, they're generally great people who do genuinely care and work really hard to show that. But when you're chronically short-staffed, that's a reflection on the CEO and management that's running that particular facility. Mm -hmm. Because we all have access to their wage scales. It's public record. And for those of you who don't know who are listening to this podcast, you can get access to that information if you simply go to the Washington Department of Health website and they have a search bar and you can enter in hospital finances. And that will bring up pretty much every facility in Washington, and you can look and see what they get paid and how much their pay has gone up since COVID has hit and that crisis. And yet the pay for nurses and the staff and every, the respiratory therapists who are doing amazing things and working their butts off are not getting that pay. And that pay causes shortages and a negative environment. So I'm really happy to hear that you are putting in the effort to talk to staff members and genuinely find out why are you leaving. Yeah. That is, matters so much. It does. And I mean, like, yeah, it really does. Because, I mean, ultimately, if I didn't go and talk to them, I could just, I could make up a million things as to why they're leaving, right? But yeah. So the what it boils down to is the environment. Yeah. It's staffing. And it's why we push for that safe staffing law to get passed recently and why we're trying to get staffing language in our union contracts with these facilities to try and make things better and change the environment. Mm-hmm. It's important. It is. Our healthcare system is very important. So. I hope your actions in doing that research and talking to people inspire other commissioners that are already on the board or running to do so in other areas or the same area. Put in that same effort that you're putting in because I feel like they don't. I come from a small community and I've never met them. They've yeah. never come and asked us when we were struggling, why are things difficult right now? So what can we do to change that? I've gotten to engage with quite a number of old employees as well, which has been really awesome. And the one she used to actually, she was pretty pretty high up when it came to the maternity department and she had worked there for like 40 years. Um, she was telling me that one of the commissioners used to come around all the time because she had previously been a nurse. She was like, she was there all the time. Anytime anything was going wrong, we could just kind of be like, hey, so how do we fix this? And she, and she would take care of it for us. She was like, and then, wow. Yeah. But you know, now she's older. Now she's tired. So she's like, I haven't even seen her. She's like, I haven't seen her in years. So I think it is critical to be able to have that engagement. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And to really just be talking with the people who work there and kind of just creating that connection and that bridge, because I mean, you can have all the money you want. You can have, you can try to provide services, but if you don't have the staff to provide any of these services, you don't, you don't have a hospital. You don't right. have the company. You don't exactly. have a name. So, And if you're on a hospital board and you're making major decisions for that facility, shouldn't you know everything that's going on in that facility? And shouldn't you find that out by talking to the workers working there directly? Mm-hmm. Just a thought for any commissioners <laughs> who may or may not be listening. <laughs> I certainly I certainly am of the opinion that the staff has, I mean, Pretty much all the answers to all of the problems. Yes, yes so. we do. And we're happy to tell people if they just come around and talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do it consistently, it doesn't seem so like aggressive, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, I feel like I feel like that comes off a lot um, from from our side, like to PCC, right? Wherever you know 
they'll yeah. have them talk, come talk to us and we're all like, and what about this? 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 And it's like, well, that's, it seems, you know, overly assertive because this is the only time that we ever get to engage. So we have to make sure that we make all of our points. Right. If you just do it consistently. Yeah. It'll be a lot more. It's a lot more relaxed. You can have a relaxed, comfortable conversation. That's more open. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It does come across that way, but it is because of that exact reason. We don't see you often enough and we're worried it may be years before we see you again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have to rapidly fire this out. And chances (laughs) are we're running into you in the hallway when we're busy running to something else that's super important. We don't exactly have five or 10 minutes to stop and and talk and tell you, even though we want to. Mm -hmm. And it's also funny because, you know, it's, like, well, you know, we have an email. <laughs> Homie, do you know how long it takes me to write an email? Like, no, 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 that's not. That's, that's <laughs> and not. speaking for all healthcare workers, we hate our email. We all get too many emails. Half of it's just bull and half of it's junk mail. By the end of our workday, we've already had to stay late to finish getting caught up on our charting. And you want us to stay and write another email? Yeah, okay. No. Come talk to us consistently all the time. Find some time to sit in the cafeteria. Make yourself open like our union reps do. Mm -hmm. You can do that. You can sit. It's public space. You can sit there and have a little sign and say, hey, this is who I am and why I'm here. Come talk to me. That's actually a really good idea. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It, It will work. And if you reach out to a couple of healthcare workers that you know that are working that day or tell them ahead of time, be like, hey, Next week on Wednesday, around this time frame, I'm going to be in the cafeteria. Tell your friends, come talk to me because I would love to hear what you have to say. And you can even put it on just like a quick little paper sign and people will stop and come talk to you because we all get hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I You're know I'll find you there. Yeah. Eventually, our pockets full of snacks run out. <laughs> and bring snacks. I was going to say, snacks. and I'll bring snacks. <laughs> We're all hungry. We all love our snacks. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I love that. I'll totally try that. Let me know how it goes. I would love to hear about it. Yeah, I've only ever had positive experiences in Evergreen, so <laughs> I can't imagine it would be anything other than that. I've been there a couple of times. The people who work there are fantastic people. Yeah, they're really, really sweet. So I yeah, I feel like they deserve someone else. I feel like everyone does, right? Just deserve yeah. someone that's really going to be up in their corner. Like, no, we need to listen. <laughs> exactly. And what is the process like when you're running for that position? How much time do you have before things go to vote? How does that all work? Give me the breakdown. I actually just submitted my voters pamphlet statement yesterday. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's kind of interesting. So I'm in a 200,000 voter district, right? Okay. So Evergreen's district is Kirkland, Redmond, Kenmore, Woodenville, Duval, Sammamish, and Bothell. So it's, you know, pretty diverse and mm-hmm. pretty big. So, you know, to start, you kind of just like file for a commissioner. It's zero dollars, which was beautiful. We love zero dollars. It's the best. And then after that, I think it's most certainly kind of been like fumbling around for me personally um I me being naive has kind of worked out in my favor when it comes to running because a lot of people are really willing to reach out and help you and give you little tidbits of information and kind of steer you in the right direction um but yeah so filed um and then you kind of start reaching out or I did at least started reaching out for like endorsements so you start reaching out the collected officials 
right? Mm -hmm. So I was able to reach out to some of the Woodenville City Council members because I'm from Woodenville, so it was pretty easy. Mm -hmm. um, kind of be like, hey, I'm running for this position, wondering if you have any thoughts, because at the time, the only thing that, you know, I wanted to do was advocate for the employees. But yeah, that's not something that, you know, the entire district is going to be on board with, especially considering my opponent is very financially savvy. Right. So right. going to be like, we'd rather have a hospital too. Right. So, you know, reach out to them, kind of like trying to gather their thoughts. And a lot of what I was hearing is that nobody knows what a hospital commissioner is. Nobody knows that it's a publicly elected position. As I was doing research, a lot of the people that were on the board had been on the board for years, mm -hmm. years and years and years. And the guy who was in, also super funny because when I was sitting down with Tom, our political director, and he was asking me if I, you know, are you going to run this year or do you want to wait a couple of years? So I'm going to do it this year because I'm thinking about it. If I wait two years, I'm not going to do it. And also a lot I didn't wait because the position that I would have been running for, he stepped down the day after filing week. Wow. Yeah. So I wouldn't, like, I mean, I would be able to run for the position in two years, but it's like, well, yeah. that's a little interesting that you want someone appointed to that position. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I want people to know that this is a public position. I want people to know that they actually have a say in, you know, the way that our healthcare system works, or at least within Evergreen. I want them to have know that they have a say in what services the hospital provides. And then... Talking to more people, obviously, mental health is a really, really big. Yes. Evergreen offers minimal mental health services. Very minimal. Um, they have a couple social workers and counselors that go to the school districts. And then they have one that's, I guess, catered towards Medicaid that mm -hmm. took over for another program that was also catered towards Medicaid and home therapy. Okay. And then when this other program took over, it's not as good. Shame because we depend on that a lot, and yeah. it is something that I think we're starting to hear more about. Not hey, we've always known that there's been an issue with this. However, we need to address it. There's mm -hmm. no more leaving it on the back burner. We're now bringing it to the forefront. Yeah, one of the things that was brought up is the number of mental health patients that are in the ERs right now. Yeah, right, that just don't have anywhere to go. I mean, if we could provide a place for them to go in Evergreen, that would it help would out great. a lot. And I'm very passionate about Evergreen, right? I think mental health services is something they could do very well. I think, yes. you know, a crisis care facility is something that Evergreen could do super well. I think they should be providing outpatient services while mm -hmm. they're not right now. It's important. And it's something yes. that the district has continuously asked for and then continuously just not received. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I was able to build my platform, really just by talking to people. And it's crazy because I didn't realize how accessible most of these people are. You send out an email and they'll call you. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, they're like, hey, I just got your email. Really excited about this. Um, I would love to set up a time to talk. Oh, that is great to hear. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it's because we kind of view them as on a different tier than we are. Yeah. On a higher one that is unreachable. Mm -hmm. And that's not reality. Reality is they are very reachable. You just have to put in a little bit of effort and reach out. Yeah, I mean, every city council member I've reached out to has gotten back to me within a couple of days. That's great to hear. And the ones that it's taken more days, it's been like, sorry, I just went to my spam filter. I'm like, that's understandable. Yeah. Or like, oh, sorry, like, you know, I was on vacation or whatever it is. I have a, I'm a human. I have a life. Right, you right. Know? We have lives. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, you can, I didn't realize how accessible my city council was. 
That's great to hear. Yeah, it's really cool. So any problems you have, you can just be like, hey, be positive. What can we do to fix this? You know? Yeah. And when the hospital commissioner board brings these issues up and says, hey, we would like to address this and fix this, do they also present solutions or are they just bringing up issues that we need to focus on? And I ask because I am naive and I do not know. So it kind of depends. Ultimately, ultimately, as a, as a commissioner, I don't I don't have any say as an individual, right? Okay. So I don't have well, I don't have any power as an individual, right? To make decisions, the power I have would be able to sway my fellow commissioners into believing that this is necessary, and that's also kind of why it's been so important for me to really have my research and really build connections with the community, because then when it comes to okay, well, you know, what services should the hospital provide and how should we fund them? I can be like, okay, well, this is what we need. And then I can bring in all of these people that I know, you know, are passionate about it and have experience with it. So you can help sway everyone to get on board with making that project a priority and Mm -hmm. then help make connections. Yes. So in a way you do present solutions. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) I also try to be very... just in a different way. Personally, I try to be very solution oriented. Yeah. So it's, I, I love, I love to pick apart problems and hee hee ha ha and just complain. But I mean, ultimately when it comes down to it, if it's an actual problem, I don't want to just focus on the fact that it's a problem. I just want to fix it. Right. And that's the best attitude that you can have about it. Because honestly, we can all come up with problems. We cannot all come up with solutions. That's the hard part. That's Mm -hmm. where it's important to work together. Yes. Also, because if we don't work together, it's perspective, right? I mean, I have different perspectives than the other people do because I have different experiences than they would and they have different experiences that I do. So I think it's important to be able to yeah, connect and combine and be able to come to a solution that, you know, everyone can at least understand. Yeah. Even if they're not happy about it, they can at least understand. It. Exactly. So public speaking, since you're going to be doing that too, I'm assuming there's going to be public speaking involved with your position that you're running for. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> there's, been, there's been a few, yeah. Um, it's helped, like, because the endorsement interviews that you have to do, um, it's important to come off as confident and knowledgeable, but still willing to learn and not overly yes. confident. <laughs> yeah, right? because you've been honest that this is a new experience for you and we all learn a lot of new experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, that is, you know, when I'm emailing about endorsements, that's one of the first things I always say. I am a new candidate. I'm running for this position. I, you know, some of my priorities. And then usually it's like, oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. And then they send you a questionnaire. Questionnaires take me forever. Is it a long questionnaire? Like how many questions are there? No. So the last one I did was 10 questions, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I I never want to, I don't know. It's just, so the questions will be things like how in your position can you address, you know, racial disparities amongst, you know, minority community, like, you know, just, they're just very wordy. Right. So and they use a lot of buzzwords, you know, like disparities, communities, minorities. So we are kind of like, okay, well, first I have to decipher what they're asking right. specifically because sometimes I think they're asking something and then I read it again. I'm like, oh, no, that's not what they're asking me at all. Yeah. Um, and then I get bored going down the line. I read over the questions and uh-huh. I start with the questions that are really, really hard and then... I go all to all the easy ones. So then it takes me like 45 minutes just to make sure I answered all the questions. And then you have the actual interviews where you get to sit down and talk to people. And those are my favorite part because you 
really just get to be yourself and you yeah. get to talk. But like I said, I always try to be a little bit confident. So I have you know, mini scripts, you know, things mm-hmm. that, uh, points that I really want to address so that they understand my values. And then I try really hard to, instead of say like or um, just stop talking. Yep. It's the biggest thing that I've learned with doing this. And what are your values? So my values would be collaboration. I put a lot of emphasis on collaboration and connection, respect, absolutely empathy. Yeah, I like this. You don't have to have a lot. You just have to have important ones that are important to you. And it's very understandable why those are important to you. Yeah. To a lot of us. Yeah, Yeah. I think there's just such a lack of real community connection, you know, And I don't even think that it was necessarily like due to the pandemic. I think a lot of people want to blame it on that. But I think there was a lot of things that were happening prior to that that kind of have made people. That is absolutely correct. Steer away from each other. Our short staffing was not a new thing. It's been a chronic issue. It was just, it made the public more aware that Mm -hmm. there was a problem. Yeah. Because there was a higher demand for things. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. If our listeners want to get more information about what you're running for and more information about you so they can decide if they want to vote for you. How would they go about doing that? You can Google me now because I fixed my search optimization. (laughs) I Googled you the other day. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. I had so many, because you know, I'm like reaching out to people. So there was like four city council members who were all like, Hey Amber, I've been Googling you every day and I still can't find your website. I was actually just looking for pictures so that I would know who to look for when I stood outside the front of the building. So I'm glad you brought that up because I hardcore Google stalked you and I found your financial information, which felt invasive to me on my end. I, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm crossing a line. I just want a picture of her face. <laughs> it is amberwise.com. That's funny. Yeah, I know the PDC. That stuff is so like terrifying to me. And yeah. It's really, really easy. And ultimately, if you mess up right there, just kind of, hey, you got to fix it. But Mm -hmm. it's just so terrifying because it's like public disclosure, you know? Yeah. So now you have a website. And if we go to this website, what information can we look for? Basically, my story. uh, So because I moved here from Pennsylvania. So you'll be able to get like a quick blip of that. Be able to see most of my endorsements. I need to go and update because I haven't put my council member endorsements. I also got endorsed by Bob Ferguson. Congratulations. Thank you. That is fantastic. Yeah, super exciting. So I need to go update some things. But yeah, you can see my endorsements. You can see uh, my priorities. You can donate to my campaign if you wish. I have an Instagram account, but admittedly, it is on the back burner because I... I'm very busy. You are very busy. That's <laughs> right understandable. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, you try to... Social media is a really great way to engage with people, mm-hmm. but it is also a really easy way to waste your time. <laughs> so oh, yes. so I'm like, I can't, I can't hyperfixate on my social media because then I won't get anything else done. I completely relate. And I think I'm going to have to finally give in and create an Instagram account because that is what everyone has. <laughs> learning with this podcast. Everyone's... Uh, bringing up their Instagram accounts. Did you want to put your Instagram account handle on this? You do not have to. Yeah, let's do it. So what is your Instagram handle? Amber for Evergreen. What is something that you feel is very important for our listeners to hear or know about? Or is there a common misconception that you would like to address? I feel like a lot of ways with this. Um, I think a lot of what I hear is kind of that, you know, it doesn't do anything Um, or when I needed them, they weren't there for me. And a lot of times it's when you really get into it and you ask, okay, so 
you know, your rep wasn't there for you. Did you call them? I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm not going to, if someone has had, you know, maybe like an unfortunate experience, I'm not going to disregard that for sure. Everyone does have their own experiences, but I have noticed that the more communicative I am with my union, the more they communicate with me too. Yes. So I... It takes two. Yeah. So I, you know, I wasn't necessarily, this position wasn't brought up for me by the union because, you know, just out of a whim, right? Mm -hmm. It was because I had been investing a lot of time. I was constantly engaging with my rep when she was in. I, you know, made time to talk to her. I made time to reach out and be like, I want to do other things too. I'm, you know, on the uh, racial justice advisory board. I'm on our climate justice advisory board. And I know that if I call my rep now Mm -hmm. and was like, I'm having a problem, she would drop everything she was doing to come and help me with that problem. But that's because I've created that relationship where we have a relationship. Yeah. We can communicate with each other. And whenever she comes in and if there is an issue, I don't attack her. You know, I'm not mean. I'm not rude. So I think, you know. Having more open communication, the more you engage with your union, the more they're going to engage with you, the more you're open about it, the more receptive you are. And then if you are having an issue, the more solution focused you are, you're going to have a really good union experience. Absolutely. I love all of the points that you just made. And that makes me really happy that you expressed all that in just that way. Thank you. Thank you. Holy crap, Sticks, how many boards are you on? I didn't know you were on other boards. I thought that was your main focus. I feel like you just had a whole little gold mine sitting in the back there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm on our union's Climate Justice Advisory Board, our Racial Justice Advisory Board. I am on my workers' political caucus committee. Uh Not political caucus committee, workers' caucus committee. So that's where we go and engage our own board of trustees. Yeah, and now I'm running to be on the board of commissioners. I like boards. I like groups. You you do like (laughs) boards and groups. But it's allowing you to do things and make changes. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important. I mean, I am... Young enough to have the energy to do it and old enough to understand, you know, most of what's going on. And I think it's really, really time that, you know, people within my age group start just doing what we can. We need to get out there. Go run for office. Get involved. (laughs) Go. Yeah. (laughs) Join your planning commission. Like, do things. Yeah. I mean, and even little things like that, right? Like the the planning commission I was talking to, um, you know, when I was actually... A commissioner and no, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to get involved in your local politics exactly like, you just yeah and you can make big changes by doing it yes you can and it doesn't have to be a lot of your time so I would just try exactly nailed it <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone special you would like to give a shout out to um it's my favorite question to ask people I never put it in there that's a fun surprise <laughs> <laughs> in my union or just in general in general anyone All right, you know, I'm just going to give a super, super kind of like kind of random, not actually random. I'm going to give a shout out to some of my coworkers. I'm going to give a shout out to David. I'm going to give a shout out to Pony and Scott and Alex and Anna and Lillian because they have been very, very supportive and very, 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 very flexible with me (laughs) over the past couple of months and have not made it seem like even when I leave for phone calls Mm -hmm. that it's been a problem. And I just really appreciate them. Oh, they sound like fantastic people. Yeah, they make my job so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that is very important. Yeah. Thank you so much for meeting with me and making time out of your extremely busy (laughs) schedule. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, and anyone who can and wants to, 
check out Amber Wise. Go to her website at voteamberwise.com. And vote for Amber. Vote for Amber. (laughs) If you have any questions or you want to know more about our union, go to our website at ufcw3000.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening. Have a fabulous day. (laughs) 